Hello, all. Welcome to First Watch We Watch. This is a podcast where we dig through the thrift store of pop culture and come up with sometimes a hidden gem, but most of the time something filled with moss. And speaking of being filled, not filled with moss, is the greatest other host and Jeopardy runner-up, Tina, and lover of all things Apple and Grease, too. I think those are the only ones you've been on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you meant, you know, Apple computer products. Uh, well, no, you. I think you like the movie, The Apple, more than you I, like Apple computer products. Uh, I might. So I'm going to jump right into this, okay? Because I have kind of a, a lot I want to talk about that happens before the movie that we're going to watch. So I'm going to play the trailer at the beginning, and I'm going to tell everybody up front, I don't have a lot of sound cues on this because we're talking about a musical, so I am prepped to sing a whole lot. So this going to be like <laughs> when you sang Who's That Guy in the Grease uh, 2 episode. Who's that guy? Let's kick off with the preview for the movie that we're a preview for a film that came out based off an incredibly popular topic. And if you've seen the title of this, you already know what we're talking about. But the film came out, oh, right there in November of 2005, right in time for Oscar season. And it's won a lot of awards, none of them that begin with O. So (laughs) let's get to it. There are times when we're dirt broke and hungry and freezing. And I ask myself, why the hell am I still living here? A bunch of us are getting together tonight. Would you like to come with us? Sure. Revolution Studios presents the musical phenomenon that defined a generation. that defined our generation i don't feel defined by that gen by Uh, that musical we are already going to disagree because i (laughs) totally think i think this and beck song loser completely another defines generation x but we'll get into it so rent the movie Mm -hmm. the movie of the musical but a movie the movie of the musical with almost all the original cast but still a movie not a musical but sure as hell looked like a musical Mm mm-hmm You've seen the stage version of Rent, I know. I have. How old were you? 25. Somewhere in there. officially premiered, I believe, in 1996. Yes, 1996 on Broadway. I I think I saw it in New York. Oh, la-dee-da. That's what I'm saying. So I'm trying to think about when I I was in New York. So, yeah, probably around 25. We'll get into the movie, but I want to start by talking about the musical itself. And I'm going to bash, like I always do, on not just Rise of Skywalker, but the musical Hamilton. So, because mm-hmm. I think Rent and Hamilton share a, a lot of uh, a lot of common DNA that I don't think is very, very good. But having said that, I haven't. I think I think it was like last Christmas. I was looking at when I gave you my heart, and the very next day you took it away. <laughs> I. I was like looking for different Christmas. Maybe fans. that song defined my generation. <laughs> yes. Finally in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Way yes. to go, Andrew Ridgely. Rest in peace. I'm a big George Michael uh, fan. Yes, here. I know. I know. <laughs> so I was looking for different Christmas things. Everybody's talking about uh, that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. And I actually saw the greatest thing the other day. I've, I, I'm going to be that person. I saw it on Blue Sky. <laughs> But um, where they said, everybody talks about if Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It is literally about a man with very few resources trying to stretch everything to the limit and winning. It is a Hanukkah movie. That is what Hanukkah is. So from now on, Die Hard's a Hanukkah movie. But Rent came up as a Christmas movie. I'm like, really? Christmas movie? So I decided to sit back. I mean, 
most of it takes place around Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and they talk a lot about Christmas in it. I, I think the entire first act is Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And then then they go through a, the rest of the year really quick, 5,639 minutes or whatever. 525,600 <laughs> minutes. That, that musical is the reason that all of us know exactly how many minutes are in a year, except not a leap year. And it's it's well known that, and I'm going to talk about Jonathan Larson, the writer of now, this. Now, this movie came out in 96. Yeah. Which is a leap year. Oh, so he was wrong. <laughs> but I think it takes place in 1989. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Going back to the musical of Rent, we're talking about a time in musical theater where we were in its, uh, kind of its post-Rodgers and Hammerstein renaissance here. Your Andrew Lloyd Webber's type stuff. Your biggest shows at the time are things like Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. I think Miss Saigon had just come out. So these big, sweeping, powerful, like stage epics mm-hmm. that cast of thousands, you know, the Cecil B. DeMille era of Broadway. That was what it was. Those were your big shows. And when I talk about like Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the Opera is still the second most successful show financially in the history of Broadway. Why? That and Cats. I don't get it. Do you know what number one is? Is it The Fantastics? No, Lion King. Oh. See, that's another show that I don't love. But again, these big, super booming epics. Mm -hmm. And then Rent comes along. Rent had a cast of 15. It was the band and everything's on stage. So it feels cloth. And again, we're talking about the musical Mm -hmm. because the movie sure as hell doesn't feel this way. But it feels dirty. It feels claustrophobic. As a matter of fact, I've been watching, since we watched this movie on YouTube, someone has a VHS copy of the opening Broadway performance of Rent. It does. It looks rough. It doesn't look formed at all. And I think that was the attraction to it, is we're finally seeing something new. Mm -hmm. Now, to go back, I talked about Jonathan Larson, the guy who famously wrote Rent. As a matter of fact, Andrew Garfield was just nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Yep. So Jonathan Larson is, is kind of like my hero in a way, in that this was a guy, and you like see old video of him. He's this big nose, floppy hair, looking weird dude. When I had hair, that's what I looked like. Mm-hmm. Now, he was not as attractive as me, but, you know. Well, you can't have everything. Yeah, he can be. He really, really wanted to be in theater, and he'd written a bunch of stuff, but he never got that break. But he would do it. And there's a video of him on his last day uh, working like a malt shop in New York City and him talking about this is it. This is done because he had a breakthrough. And I think it was with Tick, Tick, Boom, one of his first shows. But the whole time he lived in this crappy apartment in New York City with like four other people. One of his best friends who was a waiter, I think, at the same restaurant had just been diagnosed with AIDS. And he and another partner decided, let's talk about our lives. And he was saying how New York City streets were so noisy, but he found music in it. And let's talk about why we do the things we do. Why do we live in the squalor? Why do we do all this stuff? And so they penned a song called Santa Fe, which eventually became the song Rent. Mm-hmm. The, I think it was him or his partner or somebody said, oh, look, at there's this old Puccini opera, La Boheme, which is about these people living with disease, tuberculosis, but they're living life to the fullest. And that's who we are. So they took, as a matter of fact, if you look at La Boheme, Mimi is named Mimi in, the, in Rent, but mm-hmm. then Rodolfo is Roger, Marcelo is Mark, Musetta is Maureen. Colleen is Colleen Collins. is Tom yep. Collins. Yeah, Benoit is Benny. Benoit. Uh, or Benoit, yeah, sorry. That must have been that fourth year French. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of structured the show surrounded by that to talk about what they were also going through. And the immediately a struggling actor named Anthony Rapp came on and started to workshop it with them. And while they were pulling it together and they're pulling a cast of all of these nobodies. Was really. this pre or post Dazed and Confused, Anthony Rapp? I think it must have been. He was probably working on the same time. Okay. Because there's this really, I didn't play it because it's like 10 minutes long, but there's this, uh, the show 48 Hours. Mm-hmm. They had this big thing about the Broadway opening of Rent. And they were talking, they really focused on Adina Menzel, who this was her big break. Mm-hmm. This was everybody's big break. And mm-hmm. I'll talk about it later where they all went. And she was 24 and she was singing at weddings and bar mitzvahs and clubs in New York and needed a job 
in the winter time because there weren't a lot of bar mitzvahs and there weren't a lot of weddings. And so she just signed on to do this little show in the West End that they were working on. Nobody knew anything about it. And they get the cast together. And the night before they do, they're going to do a table read. Jonathan Larson was found dead in his apartment. And the legend is he died before it premiered on Broadway and he died in the theater. No, that's not what happened. His, one of his roommates came home and found him. He had an aortic, aortic aneurysm mm-hmm. brought on by Marfan syndrome. And leading up to this, he kept feeling like chest pains and stuff and went to the hospital numerous times. And they kept turning him away without doing the tests, uh, saying that he, he's just got stress because mm. he's kind of a twitchy guy. So he should be alive. Uh, much like Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. He should have he survived this. He did not. And they decided to go through with the table read, and it was all very solemn. They were just going to sit there and do it solemn, but as the table read went on, they got more and more into it. And by the time they got to the song La Vie Bohème, they were actively dancing and singing. And the original Broadway run, one of the cast members always came out in the beginning and said, this show and every show moving forward is for Jonathan Larson. Now, this wasn't a situation where lightning just struck him. Like I said, he'd been working. Right. He wrote for Sesame Street. Right. And I think this is important, especially as we come out of this actor's strike. He was working. Yeah. I mean. Unlike his characters. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah. So he, and just had this idea. Yeah. And it just captured this moment in time. Because, look, you and I have talked many times about this. I, I love Les Miserables. I think it's great. I think Miss Saigon's great. Okay. Les Miserables is a bunch of, this is probably closer to Rent or the middle part of Les Miserables than anything else, but it's an old French thing, okay? Uh, Miss Saigon's Vietnam. Except it's very clear that Anjora and Marius are trust fund babies. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they don't quite, well, again, we'll get to it. Yeah. But this is what we were seeing. We were seeing... Big shows, cats dancing around, talking about jellical crap. That show is so stupid. <laughs> cats and family. Why do people like this stuff? So this was young artists who were not successful, who were sick, who couldn't pay the damn rent, who were still devoted to their art. As a 18, 19-year-old, this thing screamed to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't scream to you? No. I didn't see Rent, though, on stage until I was an adult, until I had a job. Now, mm-hmm. granted, it was working for the carnival business. Yeah. So <laughs> I was probably about the same age as these characters, mm-hmm. right? Because don't tell me that Mark doesn't have some pricey Amherst College education, okay? Don't, don't, te- don't tell me that. That dude has 100 100- or what would today be a quarter million dollar education? Yes. Okay. Jonathan Larson went to Adelphi University. So I was about their age probably when I first saw this thing on Broadway. And I don't mean this as a flex, but I paid my own damn rent. <laughs> I got up, I went to work, I came home, I paid my own bills. It didn't whine about how it was unfair that I had to pay my own rent. So no, no, it did not speak to me. Then why was it so popular? I mean, a lot of the music is really good. I'll give you that. There's a certain, there's always a certain romanticism about living that bohemian life, right? To be creative and to be, but but maybe it's maybe it's because I have never really aspired to a career in the arts that it 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 doesn't resonate with me at all. I don't know. At some point, you got to put on your big boy pants. I could I could go on mm-hmm. about the things that I dislike about it. Oh, no, we're, we're going to get to okay. that because there's a lot to dislike. And th- this movie was a failure. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a movie that's lived on in cult status since then. Mm-hmm. And you can go to YouTube and if you type in rent musical or rent movie review, there are 30 to I found a two hour long thing about why does rent really suck. And then I saw some heavy, heavy metal musicians saying why rent is great. Okay. But for the most part, it is... I don't want to. That's the thing. Even, I don't think it sucks as a musical. It sucks as a story, right? It's just a stupid story. See, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm going to explain it because okay. after watching the movie again. None they, of these people are sympathetic characters. I think the failure of the you movie. You know who the sympathetic characters are? The ones who have jobs. I think the failure of this film, and I'm not talking about the musical itself, I think the film itself, the failure that I find is in the casting and the directing. 
Okay. And there's a cut scene in this movie that I think would have made all the difference. Okay. And I remember watching the movie, because I've only ever seen this on stage one time at the fabulous Fox Theater in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. But, uh, and I, I, thought, I thought when I watched the movie last year, and then when we watched it again a few days ago, I thought, wait a second. It has to do with the character of Benny. And I'll get to it, because in the play, Benny is a hell of a lot more sympathetic than the movie makes him out to be. And that's not Tay Diggs' fault, okay? Because he played him in the beginning, <laughs> he played him in the movie. But See, I don't find him to be unsympathetic, but maybe that's me. And another reason I say maybe this helps define... They murdered it. his dog. Again, I'm going to talk about <laughs> that cut scene, which is really important. Okay. And they murdered his wife's dog. Or his wife's wife, yeah, dog. Yeah. It's his dog. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? They said it was a really crappy dog. Anyways. <laughs> Can you imagine what would have happened if the Twitter mob found out that Angel had killed a dog? Oh. <laughs> I am, again, I watch some of these, like, hate on rent videos, and a lot of it is about how it gets representation wrong. And to those people, I'm like, you know, screw you, okay? You don't understand. There, was, there wasn't a major drag queen in a show until Rent. And I believe the person that played that character on stage won the Tony Award. Mm -hmm. I think it was the only actor that won the Tony Award for that. But hold on, I want to double check that. Yes. Yes. Best featured actor in a musical. There's a lot I think about that Rent gets right about mm -hmm. that time. And we were watching it. Your mother was visiting for the holiday and she watched it too. And we were talking about how Maybe one of the biggest things that dates this movie or this show is how afraid they all were of AIDS. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I said it right after the movie ended, that we are kind of the only generation that grew up in fear of AIDS. Now, like, I, is it even on the radar of somebody who's 23, 24 years old? I just, it's this marvel of medical science that we don't even talk about, mm -hmm. right? That there's commercials on TV for... Uh, management drugs that keep your viral load at zero for for prep, right? That you can go on prep and probably and do whatever the hell you want, right? I mean, there are still lots of reasons that you probably shouldn't do that, but HIV isn't necessarily one of them anymore. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. We're going to get to the movie, I promise. But a lot of this sets it up because the movie itself unless I'm going to sing every number, every musical number, which I might, I'm considering it right now. It's going to be a kind, I don't of, have that kind, of, time. <laughs> kind of a quick slog. So the original, and they did it, they workshopped this in the West End for a while. People started to notice that they were like, oh my God, this is incredible. This show needs to go on Broadway. And Rent became, I think, the first of that mega musical. Now I talk about Les Miserables was big, Phantom of the Opera was big, but they're still in kind of that, they weren't, things that attracted cults to them. They weren't like, this is the most important thing that ever happened and nothing ever in the rest I of humanity. I don't know. When I was in high school, everybody had that Eponine t-shirt. I still think... Or maybe the, it's Cosette, but I who, who's the girl? It's Cosette. Okay. I still think this is... Yes, it's Cosette. <laughs> I'm still... I still think this was the first, though, of the, I am going to go to New York to watch this show. They, had a, they didn't have a name for people that loved Les Miserables. They had a name for people that loved this. They called them Rent Heads or something like that. It had just countless ink was spilled over how this is the new Broadway, a new revolution. And I think it launched into this era of, you had things like Spamalot, which was, that's the greatest musical that's ever been made. Then Book of Mormon, that's the greatest musical ever made. Then The Producers, and every two or three years. And now Hamilton, nothing's ever as good as Hamilton. And speaking of born third base, thinking you hit a triple, Jonathan Larson came from a good Jewish family, went to a small school, got a BFA, worked his way. Lin-Manuel Miranda and all the crap. Oh, his with, dad worked for Mayor Koch. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, he he read Chernow's shitty Alexander Hamilton book on vacation in the Bahamas and decided, I'm going to make a bullshit musical about it. Anyways, I, I'm going to give Larson a little bit more credit that what he was writing, he was experiencing, he was seeing. So they, they get on the Broadway. And well, in fairness, Miranda wasn't alive during Hamilton's time. No, he wasn't. You are right. <laughs> Which is why that he takes a fascist and makes him out to be a progressive hero or whatever. I still think there's a lot of bangers in that musical. Uh, okay. You had Anthony Rapp playing Mark, who Anthony Rapp, again, has gone on a nice long career. He's on a Star Trek now. I think he's on Discovery or something like that. 
Adam Pascal in his first break break plays Roger, which if you don't know who he is, he is mostly a Broadway actor, but the dude has a ton of Tonys. He is one of the go-to guys for strong male voices. The only thing that anybody listening to this might have seen him on in the uh, the Disney Plus show Hawkeye, it takes place over Christmas, and there's all this reference to this Avengers musical, the Steve Rogers musical. And in the very last episode, as a stinger, they do a big, like, five-minute production number of it, which is effing great. And Adam Pascal is, like, the narrator. So that's where most people would have seen him. There was a Daphne Rubin Vega played Mimi, who was the only one that wasn't in the movie, but she's had a very big Broadway career. Jesse Martin from multiple Law & Orders or just the one? I think just the one, okay. but he was on it for a while. He's on another, like, procedural show now. Yeah. This is, I actually thought he was stunt casting for the movie. No, this is where he started. Mm -hmm. Wilson Germain Hereda, who played Angel. Adina Menzel, who can find bar mitts for work. So mm -hmm. Adele Nazim. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Tay Diggs. Mm -hmm. Again, I thought that was stunt casting, who played uh, Benjamin Coffin III in the movie. No, this was his first big break. As a matter of fact, he and his wife met on this show, Adina Menzel. Tay Diggs was married to Adina Menzel? For like 12, 13 years or so. Really? Yeah. So I didn't, when I was doing my research, I was seeing uh, when Adina Menzel, she won the Tony for Wicked. Mm -hmm. And she's referencing her husband. And they keep shooting the Tay Diggs. And I'm like, who, that dude looks just the same. But mm -hmm. anyways, I, I looked it up. And they were married for like 14 years or something. Mm -hmm. She is now married to one of the guys in the movie who was part of the AIDS support group. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if they met there. This was all their first thing. Let's fast forward. Christopher Columbus. Not the explorer. No. The man who brought us Home Alone and Home Alone 2. And Harry Potter and the mm -hmm. Sorcerer's Stone. Who was making bank. You want to talk about it? beyond excellent casting. This is the man who created the Harry Potter cinematic universe. This is the man that cast those kids. Mm -hmm. And Alan Rickman. And Maggie Smith. I mean, because he didn't do a good job in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all just too old. Well, which, well, well, we'll get to it. He has a choice to go do the third Harry Potter movie or to do what a lot of directors end up doing, their dream project. This is what I've been waiting to do. I have enough capital in the game. And for him, it was rent. Mm -hmm. Why does this movie not work? Shall we count the ways? Go for it. Okay. First of all, the casting, it's great that you're using the original Broadway cast, right? The problem is they all look 40. Yes. The entitlement and petulance that might be cute on a 22-year-old is not cute on a 40-year-old anymore. I don't know that it was ever cute on a 22 or 23-year-old, but people can differ about that. Mm -hmm. Your two main characters, Roger and Mark, two cishet white guys. I know Rogers or not. Mark is canonically Jewish, right? Mm -hmm. Live in this loft, this massive crappy loft, totally rent free. The first song they sing is how are we going to pay last year's rent? <laughs> they have not paid rent for a year. In my lifetime, I missed rent one time and I had to go get a money order and it was like double the rent for that one month. So, yeah. so yeah. okay. So they haven't paid rent for a year, right? Their ex-roommate, their buddy, shows up who has been letting them slide on the rent for a year. That's Benny. That's Benny. Shows up, has been letting them slide on the rent for a year and says, look, I'm going to build you guys an artist colony. You guys are going to have an artist colony and I'm still going to let you live here like dirt cheap or even rent free. And they act like he is like, freaking Hitler, <laughs> right? Because, because the man has a job. Now, first of all, just and I maybe this is casting and not canonically in the show, but you got two white dudes who are spoiled brats living rent-free off the grace of their buddy, have the, who is a black guy who's trying to make good in the world. And they have the nerve to be mad at him because he's only letting them have rent free. I, I, I don't. Okay. So there's that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that 
they're going to do their art. The one dude has spent an entire year trying to write one song. Okay. One song. song. Glory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no sound cues. I don't want to get it kicked off by Spotify. Mark (laughs) has got his Super 8 that he's going around because he's not a gentrifier, but he's filming homeless people instead of giving him a dollar, which I love that she calls him out for that. So that is the, the interest he takes in his neighborhood does not actually extend to helping the downtrodden, right? He gets this voicemail from his parents talk, talk about how they love him. And he's, those people are stupid, <laughs> right? And you just get this sense that he is playing at being poor. Poverty, it's, it's a poverty tourism. Exactly, exactly. Mm, yeah. For both of them. Yeah. They're not artists, right? He goes and... Mark is the most infuriating character. In oh, show, by the way. hands down. <laughs> and he, there's a reason he's the one that's left all by himself at the end. Everybody else pairs up. Yeah. So <laughs> Sarah Silverman offers him a job. Greatest casting right? ever. And it's not like a job as a data entry clerk, right? He's no. He's going to make little documentary exposés on an inside edition type of yeah. thing, right? And they, they're going to pay him like 5000 a segment or something. 3,000 to start in 1989. Yes. Yes. Right. And he's like, I got to make my movie. Which, which, by the way, when they do, when they do that part, I want to bring this up. When they do that part, he's using the equipment from Buzzline, which I believe that was an avid editor, which costs like today costs like $2 million. (laughs) So he made his film. (laughs) You two jackasses complaining about not paying the rent because you need to make your art. Haven't actually made any damn art in a year. Right. I actually find this whole portrayal kind of insulting to artists because they're just slackers. They're, they're not artists. They're just lazy slackers who are entitled, feel entitled to live off of everybody else's largesse because they're what creative. The waiter who says you can't just sit here for two hours and not buy anything. <laughs> and he, he's like, well, I bought a tea, but you didn't pay for it. <laughs> this man is trying to make a living. There's like no regard for anybody else. They have main character syndrome, all of them. Yes. The only one of them who claims to be an artist that actually does anything approaching art is Maureen. Angel. Angel kills a dog with her. <laughs> Makes money, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just can't. But. What's his name is supposed to be like an NYU professor or something yeah, like Tom that? Yeah, Tom Collins, yeah. Why didn't he have any money? Is he an adjunct professor? No, he does. So they're, the first part of the movie when he and Angel are together, the what, what's it called? Uh, Today for you, tomorrow for me. Yeah. You know, Angel got the money. So let, let's get into the plot because we're <laughs> jumping around a little bit here. Anyway, these people are insufferable. Yes, they're very insufferable. And I remember even during Maureen's art show, I had to tell your mother, it's supposed to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> now, coming into the movie, the legacy, and as the preview that I showed, it's like, you know, ooh, you're about to watch the greatest thing ever. It won tons of Tony Awards. It was, again, was sold out for a decade. It won the Pulitzer Prize, which I remember when Hamilton won the Pulitzer Prize, everybody's like, ooh, only it at rent. No, actually 10 shows. Uh, musicals have won the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, of the I Sing, uh, no good. South Pacific, no good. Fiorello, don't know. How to succeed in business without really trying, great. Chorus Line, great. Sunday in the Park with George, okay. Rent, next to normal. Hamilton, and then Strange Loop. So it's not, again, for all you Hamilton people out there, it's not as rare. All right. So again, this is going to be me bagging Hamilton because yeah. I need all that hate mail. But th- so the movie. You're right. Starts off Christmas Eve. They're in their spacious place. And even the city, and maybe this is, you know, this is Chris Columbus. There's this great theory or whatever that if you look at the original three Star Wars movies, everything's dirty. Like these ships have been flown. You'll see things that have dents in them. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the prequels and everything is perfect and shiny. And they're like, when George Lucas made those first movies, he was struggling you know he wasn't the biggest didn't create an entire genre of film or something like that 
by the time he made the prequels, he had been rich and living off this stuff for decades, so he kind of lost touch with it. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel about when you look at the original stage production and then you look at this movie. That New York looks okay. It looks like where I'd walk down. It doesn't look that bad. I know you said it one time. This is what all the Fox News people think New York still looks like. And I'm like, it still looks okay, though. Well. <laughs> Every, you're right. It's main I never went to New York in the 80s. No. no. <laughs> I've I've only been in post-Giuliani New York. They do. They're like, we're not going to pay rent or how are we going to pay rent? And then Benny comes in and he's like, look, Maureen, Mark's old girlfriend, which I do think is a killer line where they're like, when Benny's like, oh, dumped you for someone. And he said, it's dumped you for a guy. And they say something like that. And he goes, what's his name? And they say, Joanne. Mm -hmm. Eh, Yeah, but it's still (laughs) like, of all the things that have Mm -hmm. aged poorly, this whole Oh, well, you know, it, it's it's just kind of. But I don't I don't think well. the show makes it a scandalous, though, because and I because think, he's pretty matter of fact about but all of his friends still make fun of him. No, but. they do. I make fun of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Gen X, but uh, I mean, no, I would. I, I think <laughs> I think your Zoomers would not fine, even blink. Right? Fine, whatever. But but I give this show a lot of credit because they do have later on the commitment ceremony or whatever with Maureen and Joanne. And there's no side plot line about her parents going like, you think you should really do this? Mm-hmm. I do give them credit. There's never any question about Angel, who I think the movie tries to make a little bit more trans to some aspect, but that wasn't that much of a thing early on. So they refer to her as a drag queen, Mm -hmm. but they refer to him when they're talking about like when he's sick and all that other stuff. So I've known drag. No, like during the funeral, who is it is talking about? Mark, Mark, about them meeting the. No, one of them keeps saying him and then corrects to her. I think it's Mark. Okay. If you look at the way it's spoken, like during the stage play, there are times they refer to him. And times they refer to her. I've known drag queens in my life. That's a very, very common thing. And I think the portrayal is fine in the movie. There's no, yeah, sure. There's no real scandal to it or anything. There is the one time where she says, I'm half the man you'll ever be and all the woman you'll never get. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a good line. That's actually, and Jonathan Larson admitted this, that's actually a line from the immortal character. Holly, I think it was called Hollywood, uh, Meshach Johnson. Is that how you say it? He was on Designing Women. Meshach Taylor. Yeah, Meshach Taylor from Mannequin. Yeah. That's all <laughs> he says in Mannequin. <laughs> oh, and I completely forgot about this. A woman actually, a dramaturge actually sued Larson's estate after Rent became really big, saying that she co-wrote it. And they settled something years later, but the case was she first lost because they asked her to recite the lyrics to one of the songs she wrote, and she couldn't do it. Okay. So anyways, they go through their whole rent thing, and then you meet Mimi, and you find out everybody in the damn movie has AIDS. Well, Roger, Mimi, Angel, Tom. I think that's it. Yeah. And Mimi's a wreck, and she's a stripper at some club, and Mm -hmm. Roger lost his girlfriend. The movie, they actually cut the scene, and it's in the play. Roger's girlfriend found out she was HIV positive, and he found out he was HIV positive by her suicide note. Oh. So they actually had a scene in the, in the movie, but they don't make it that clear. So they're all on AZT. They're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And there's even, again, this is in the musical. This is the scene that was cut that I think was a bad idea, where right before they do the Living in America song, when they go off, he goes off to Santa Fe, and mm-hmm. Mark is... Making money like a schmuck. Yeah, but he's got to go finish his movie. <laughs> you had a year where you're sitting on your ass doing nothing. What were you doing? But there is a good scene right before that with Roger and Mark. And again, it's in the musical where Mark says, I'm going to survive. And that terrifies me. Or Mark says that. And Roger's like, oh, poor baby. But I love that scene because it's the one time I think that it actually gives Mark humanity. Well, it gives him a glimmer of self-awareness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That everybody around him is dying. Mm-hmm. And I understand Roger's response. And then right after that, Mimi comes in looking terrible. And Benny's like, you need to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. Again, that scene was cut. So, again, Benny, the quote-unquote villain, he's the one who tries to get her to go to rehab. Yeah. Not Roger, who theoretically loves her. 
Yeah, there is. I, I do think there's some issues with that. I, I I will admit that. But so as you go through and Maureen's going to have this big protest, which is is like she's the, doing art. <laughs> I actually really respect Maureen because she's the only one of these other two dipwads. <laughs> You can curse. <laughs> These other two dipwads just whine about how they don't have any money. And then when Sarah Silverman comes to give them money, they decide that's selling out. <laughs> yeah, well, Maureen's actually out there. No, she doing is. Stuff. She's doing it. And her girlfriend, Joanne, is an attorney. I mean, they can make real money. And... That's what I'm saying. The two people who are not insufferable are the ones with jobs <laughs> Benny and Joanne. Angel's fine. Angels oh, <laughs> killed a dog. So yes, you do. I forgot. I skipped over that when they find out on Christmas morning. Tom comes in with his his new lady, uh, who's Angel, and and again, you've got to admit, ninety percent of the songs in this show rip. Oh God, fifty percent. All right, God, I'm going to go through the songs at the end here, but right. and see what you don't think works. But yeah, so Angel talks about how she made some money because some rich lady. Somebody associated with this rich lady hated her Akita, and so Angel killed him for money. <laughs> and it's all done in this great, like, mambo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and then you find out that was Benny's dog. Which, again, another cut scene right after Angel's funeral. Spoiler alert. Tom says, like, you know, Angel killed that dog. And, and Benny laughs and says, oh, I know. And they're like, huh? He's like, oh, I, I hated that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if the Twitter mob found out today, <laughs> Angel would have been canceled so fast. It's a lot in the first act. It's a lot of. Like, I mean, you don't you don't mess with dog. Twitter. No, it's it's setting up to Maureen's performance, and what's great or former dog Twitter. Yes, dog threads. Yeah. Oh, there's dog threads. I watch. I see. I saw a, a, an older blind dog show, like helping a newer blind dog, like around the house the other day on threads. It was so touching. Made me oh. think of our poor dog. But maybe our dog <laughs> needs a seeing eye dog. No, no. We're bringing the younger dog, and he'll guide oh. it. Oh. Anyways, ours is kind of too selfish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The great thing about the stage show, and again, watching this premiere again, is everybody talks about Maureen, and Maureen is is this larger than life character. And then the stage show, they're getting ready for a show, and then all the lights go out because the power in the in her show goes out. And then one spotlight highlights, and there's Adina Menzel. Mm -hmm. And she goes, which way to the stage? And it's like this build-up to this character, and my God, does she hit it out of the park. Yeah. I mean, you could She's tell. Great. She's she great. She was she is a star a, the moment she walked on stage. She is a self-important, look at me, and it is, mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's it's great. And then, we know everybody yeah. has known that. Oh, guy, yes. Right? Yes. The one who is flamboyant, bisexual, and loudmouth. Yes. Absolutely. We all know her. <laughs> yeah. She, like, the police come to break it up. There's a riot. Mark films it, sells it to the news, and they decide to go out to dinner to celebrate. And come on, this has got to be one of the greatest closing act songs and performances ever. It goes ever. on forever. Ever. So I'm going to talk about it. Okay. La Vie Bohème. Yeah. The big song and dance number when they go into the restaurant and the guy's like, you guys don't pay. And they're like, we can pay this time. And he says, don't move but the tables like together. like that guy's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. because They're like, let's uh, move all the tables together. And they're, he's, like, he's like, don't move the tables you know, together. Okay. Our son watches a couple of idiots on YouTube <laughs> that go around and harass minimum wage workers. Imagine if Roger had YouTube or Mark had YouTube. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I get on him for saying you should not. These people are just trying to do their jobs and mind their own business and go home and live their lives. You don't need to harass them. And I say the same thing to these assholes who are like, we're going to rearrange the table, dance on the table, break everything and not pay for anything. So I'm going to read you a list here of everything that they deem to be taboo and Mm -hmm. scandalous. Mm -hmm. So you ready? Mm -hmm. Handcrafted beers made in local breweries. Yoga, yogurt, rice and beans and cheese. Leather, dildos, curry vindaloo, huevos ranchos, Maya Angelou. Emotion, devotion, causing the commotion. Creation, vacation, mucho masturbation. Compassion, fashion, passion when it's new. Sontag to Sondheim, anything taboo. Ginsburg, Dylan. Cunningham and Cage, Lenny Bruce, Langston Hughes, to the stage! 
Sorry, I have to do that part. Uda, Buddha, Pablo Neruda, Dorothy and Toto. Anything sound out of the ordinary yet? I'm starting to think of that time we went and saw the risque Cirque du Soleil, and it just wasn't that risque. Bisexuals, trisexuals, homo sapiens, carcinogens, hallucinogens, men. Women are never mentioned. Pee Wee Herman, German wine, turpentine, Gertrude Stein. What are you doing with the turpentine? <laughs> and, <laughs> I guess maybe painters need it. Antonio Bertolucci, Kurosawa, Carmine Barana, apathy, entropy, empathy, ecstasy, Vakel Havla, The Sex Pistols, 8BC. That was a club. I had to look that one up. No shame, never playing the fair game. To marijuana, to sodomy, between God and me. To SNM, La Vie Bohème. Uh-huh. Do you know what all that stuff is now? Yuppie shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> all of it. Somebody struggling today would be, they. I would name all that stuff, and first off, they wouldn't know half of it, and half they would know. It's like, that's all the crap you yuppies do. Craft beer and Indian food and... <laughs> Sex toys. My Angelou. <laughs> Langston Hughes. <laughs> but come on. Pablo Neruda. That song bangs, though. Come on. It goes on <sighs> so long. It's catchy for the first 10 minutes, and then it goes on for another 20 after that. Lovey Bohem. All right. Act down, come in, go into the new year, locked out of their apartment. Angel, because. It's like a Swiss Army drag queen can do anything and <laughs> ends up breaking their door down. <laughs> Everybody still is seemingly, you know, happy and good spirits, but it's act two. Yep. Somebody's got to die. Yep. Not like Les Mis where everybody yes. dies. But you got four people with AIDS. Mimi looks like crap throughout the whole thing. Uh-huh. But the person that's chosen to be the sacrifice is, a is drag the drag queen. queen. Mm-hmm. I do have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Look, should have been Roger. It absolutely should have been Roger. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that's because first th- of all, he's kind of useless, but he's very annoying. Yeah, but AIDS is, and that's you. You know, he, he dies at the end. It's like holy crap, this yeah. is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think that the fact that he has it mm-hmm. right and that he got it from his girlfriend is sort of a revolutionary thing but then they don't pay it off no you go through that second because he's the hot guy yes yeah again these are things i'm going to tell you that i i do like about this show you have the the take me as i am or leave me the scene that song's great the scene with maureen and joanne and they're gonna i think maureen in general is just a great character oh yeah absolutely and because if you knew her in real life you'd find her annoying as hell but yeah, we've all known her. But you know what? At the end of that song, they split up. Yeah. But uh, then they get back together. No, they don't. They're together at the end of the show. They're not. They're says who next to each other. They're holding each other's hands, but they have not reconciled. There's not a reconciliation in this show of those two. I watch that carefully. Okay. Do we think, is it supposed to be interpreted that maybe they That's are? That's how I interpret it. It may be, but yeah. it's not explicitly. No, no, they don't actually yeah. ever reconcile. It's not like Roger and Mimi. No, but it's interpret the, the interpretation is that they see each other over Angel's deathbed and realize life is too short and we should yeah, be together. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It is there, but still, I do like that. I do like that it's not like, oh, okay, I'll accept you. And they get, to, no, they break up at that point. They don't really ever fully explain it, but- Benny is out with Mimi now. And again, look at a cutscene. Is he actually, or had he been with her before he Roger? With, he had been with And her now before. Roger's being a butthead in, about the whole thing. Yeah, but he she's back with him. Yes, they have is been. Is she? I think it's interpreted as it is. It's, that part wasn't clear okay. to me. But, but it is clear to me that he's the one that actually seems to give a crap about yes. her. Yeah. Because when she goes missing, he's the one that notices that she's missing. <laughs> yes, it is. Mark gets his job. Now, it is gross if she says she's 19 and the rest of these dudes are, you know, 40. (laughs) (laughs) Even even canonically, they're still like 25. Yes. yes. And and it's not illegal, but it's a little. It's creepy. I'll give you a side eye. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Mark ends up getting his his job with Buzzline to make his money. And then uh, Roger, after Angel's death, decides to go to 
Santa Fe to go write his one song. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about the other day, right? That Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You the same day. Because <laughs> people who are actually creative and not just carrying around a guitar pretending to be creative create right having, having been somebody who's been in creative endeavors i've had those moments where it's like you just can't work your way out of something what i haven't had is multiple years when my only job is to do that and not be able to do it <laughs> and like i said i love even if you can't do that do something else right yes i've known creative people they usually try Multiple and things. When Adina Menzel. My dad was a musician. <laughs> he wrote music. Yes, he's on the X Audio Man. <laughs> Adina Menzel, when she came to do this show, was doing bar mitzvahs and weddings and singing in clubs. Yeah, because that's what they all do. <laughs> yes. So I think the absolute lowest point, worst song of this whole thing isn't Rent. It's the whole You Are What You Own or the Living in America song. Because mm -hmm. it's Mark and Roger absolutely bitching about being sucks. And, and let me tell you something, <laughs> right? With that machine that Roger's parents left on his, he doesn't have to live in squalor. <laughs> he has a safety net. Yeah. Right? He is not teetering on the yet. The show Girls... I think is not, you know, I only watched the first season. I didn't think it was that good. But there's a line in the first episode where Adam Driver's character says that his grandmother gives him like $2,000 a month so that he can focus on his carpentry because it's real. That's who these guys are. <laughs> now, Lena Dunham had the self-awareness to write that line <laughs> as, as being a joke. Yeah. <laughs> They all get together. The play starts 500, 639 minutes later from where it began. Christmas Eve, a year later, Tom Collins comes in with a whole bunch of cash because he said he reprogrammed an ATM. And they've been looking for Mimi. Nobody knows where the hell she is. And Joanne finds her and her and Maureen bring her back and she's looking terrible and dies and then reawakens and says... She saw Angel, and Angel said, come back, because that boy still needs you. Mind you, they have AIDS. Mm -hmm. And Mar it's one of my favorite moments of the movie, because you want to talk about how absolutely self-centered Mark Cohen Well, is. I think they have HIV. Okay, Mimi yeah, probably yeah. has full-blown AIDS yeah. at this point. Yeah. While they're all happy that Mimi's there, they're all singing their song. You see Mark go off by himself to turn his movie on that nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, hey, look at this shit that I did. <laughs> and you have. And his movie is just pictures. It's just people smiling. Yeah, it's people of New York. It's whole movies. It's the old Twitter there's account no for point. people of New York. Yeah. Yeah, there's just no point to this movie. Now, I talked about the scene that was cut earlier. Like, Ted Koppel is not going to air no. this movie. <laughs> no. I talked about like the scene that was cut that I thought should have really been in there to show the, the kind of humanity of of Benny to a point and mm -hmm. understand he's not the bad guy here. I do like the way the movie ends because they actually originally, this was shot later, this ending, because originally what they did, so the very beginning of the movie, they're all on stage mm -hmm. and they're singing the 5,092 minutes or whatever mm -hmm. song, and which I don't like. I didn't, and I'm going to talk about in a minute here why I didn't like it, but the end of the movie was supposed to be them back on stage, but one of the spotlights empty, which I think was a good, good metaphor. If yeah, you, well, they did that with the AIDS, with the HIV support group that, yes, right. you know, the people kept fading out of the chairs. But what they did while they were singing No Day But Today, the actor who played Angel came out on stage and then they finished all of them together. And Chris Columbus, and I think rightfully so, said, people need to know that Angel's gone. And that doesn't fit with what we're doing here. And so I think in this case, he made the right choice of cutting that. And then the movie ends and got zero Oscar nominations. Made, it was like a $40 million budget. I think it made like $30 million globally. It's not a good movie. But again, I don't think the source material is that good either. Let's talk about that, though, okay? We're talking about a and show. It doesn't that... have the nightmare fuel quality that the Cats movie does. No. 
right? So nobody's mm. just going to go watch it out of sheer curiosity to see Judy Dench in a cat suit yeah. or in a not in a CGI cat suit. And the fact that we had to have debates whether or not there are buttholes or not is what makes that movie all the better. <laughs> uh, the cats are also disproportionately too yeah. large. So anyway. I'm going to play the Roger Ebert review for this. Now, this is going to be – this is after Gene Siskel passed, and this is when Roger Ebert started to get sick. So you, it's, the voice is going to sound a little bit weird. It was A lot of it was pre-recorded. I think this is when Ignati and what's-her-name – Oh, Christy. <laughs> yeah, that doing, show was great. We're doing the show. They didn't get to do they didn't get to do this review, but Roger Ebert did. But I'm gonna play his review. If you're a big fan of the stage musical rent, you'll probably find a lot to enjoy about this movie, including another look at some of the original cast players. Some of the production numbers are dynamic and the sets have flair, but I don't think it's as powerful without the response of a live audience. In the end, I think I have more respect and affection for the movie version of Rent, but some of the performances, especially by Rosario Dawson, are inspired, and the energy is thrilling. It's a near miss, but I give Rent two and a half stars. It cut off there, but he gave it two and a half stars. Mm -hmm. He seemed to genuinely enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, don't think I, he... I think it's damning with faint praise when you say I have more respect than yes. affection for the movie. And this is what I think my problem was with it. It's, there's no emotional center. Because they're stage actors. I mean, part of it is story, and I get it, but come on. Let's be completely honest about a lot of the crap we see on Broadway, all right? These are smaller stories that are being told with bombast. Mm -hmm. And I go back to that original opening night and everything these actors were going through and the fact this is their first big break. I think it says a lot that all of them capitalized on this moving forward. When I said Rent was the first of these kind of super event shows— Tim Curry played the lead in Spam a lot. The South Park guys, Josh Gad mm -hmm. was in Book of Mormon. The producers had Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. Mm -hmm. Hamilton had well-known big Broadway actors. Nobody was cutting their teeth on any of these shows the way Rent was. Mm -hmm. And they went out there and they blasted it out of the park. But they're stage actors. Mm -hmm. You're playing to a large audience out there, you're not playing interpersonally. And when we watch the movie again, we often talk like in the theater, you have to do one thing. I, I remember I did a play. It was when I did, uh, last time I did Lost in Yonkers. And I remember the director was really mad at me because I kept moving my hands. So he told me every time I like mentioned my wife to touch the ring on my finger. Because stage-wise, he's like, it's getting lost and everything. You've got to do that one thing. But on television or on film, you got to be able to emote. you got to be able to do this. Because people can see your face. Exactly. And yeah. the only one that could do it, including, I don't even think Adina Mazel was good at it. The only one that could do it is Rosario Dawson, who is a film actor. <laughs> okay. I think she had done Josie and the Pussycats by now. Mm -hmm. Great, secretly great film. Mm -hmm. So I think that was one part of it. But another part of it is, too, the time. When people are sitting down and watching this in 2006, did it come out in 2006 or 2016? 2006. Oh, okay. AIDS isn't as scary. All these characters look 40 because they are 40. Yeah. When I when Rent first came up, I was looking up to these people thinking, wow, one day I want to be like that. By the time this movie came out, I'm like, what the F is wrong with you losers? <laughs> so because by that point, you had grown up, put on your big boy pants yeah. and realized that you have to pay your bills. Right. So the story doesn't resonate. But why is Rent still a thing then? Because there's always 18-year-old kids that think that that is the life to aspire to, that think that they want to stick it to the man. The movie starts off with Caesar. It's a tale yeah. as old as time, okay. you know? I, I'm going to tell you why I think it works. It's based on a 200-year-old opera. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I think it still works, okay? The movie starts off, and I don't think the movie, I think the stage show works out, and I think it's part of the movie. At the very beginning, the first seconds of the movie makes its first big mistake, and that's starting with the song Seasons of Love. Okay. The musical does not start with that. The second act starts with Seasons of Love. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. You want that's, that's the song that people are coming back in from the bar. Yes. Yep. Yeah, no, I, actually, mm. now that you said like, I, I didn't remember that from seeing it, but yeah. It doesn't make it... You, Roger and Mark should be funny. You should laugh at them. But you start off with something like Seasons of Love, everything becomes schmaltzy. It becomes... Yeah. Too self-important. Yeah. And then, you, obviously, you go through Rent and One Song Glory and like, would you love my candle? You go through all that stuff. 
So after we watched the movie, I did this today, actually. I just uh, went to my Apple Music app, put on Rent Broadway Recording, and I just sat and listened to it. And you go through these songs here. So, like, the first few is, like, voicemail and tune-up and all this other stuff, which I think is important because they are, because Roger's tuning up his guitar and it doesn't work because he talks about this. there's too much humidity, all this other stuff. But you go into, you know, after Rent, you have One Song, Glory, Light My Candle, Today For You, Tango Maureen, which I think is an absolute banner of a song there. You have the first of It's Only mm-hmm. Us. There's a lot of little songs in here, and then it leads up to Maureen's show, then La Vie Bohème, and then you go into Seasons of Love, Happy New Year, Take Me or Leave Me. There's a song called Halloween. I couldn't totally remember that. Goodbye Love, which was actually cut. That was between Mimi and Roger. What You Own, which is still a terrible song. And then It's Only Us, while Mark goes by himself to show his movie to everyone. Mm -hmm. I sat and just listened to it today. Didn't watch it, didn't do anything like that. I think it's great. I think the songs sound really good. But much like an Arcade Fire album, if I listen to the lyrics, I'm like, well, this is kind of stupid. But the composition works. <laughs> you, don't, you don't feel it. You don't I, remember I don't, that time thinking, I'm going to do that one day. See, here's the thing. But I am much more moved by Enjolras in Les Mis but, yeah, me too. than I am by these dipshits. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, and and, maybe, but, maybe, but maybe it's the same vibe. But yeah. it's the same vibe, right? It's all of these overprivileged students, right? Mm -hmm. But they want to do something, right? And I think I would have less heartburn with this whole thing if Roger and Mark did something, either made actively made art and not just a home movie that it took him a year and a half to do that he couldn't do a day job while he was doing or writing one incredibly crappy song because not a good song. No. Right. So... One song, glory. Right. So <laughs> That's not the song. The song I know is Your Eyes or something, but whatever. Again, not a good song, <laughs> right? That song doesn't, in your words, slap, <laughs> right? Okay. But the students in Les Mis, they are trying to stand up for the working poor. They are, in some ways, misguided, extremely idealistic. They all die. And way outgunned. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, right. But but I am much more moved by red and black and do you hear the people sing than I am by anything that Roger and Mark are doing. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean this I could I could easily go an hour on a lot of the the problems I have with this, like the fact the original stage show Joanne's parents are politically powerful one of them is like a judge and the other one's some other government official and jonathan larson said you know that character or his friends are talking about maureen was based off of a girlfriend he had that left him for another woman so of course you create this like this elitist this bourgeoisie person for it there is things in that again jonathan larson was 35 but she's the one who helps mark get a damn job my that point, he doesn't want. No, no. My point is... Because God forbid anybody should do something productive for another person in exchange for... You know, this is, this is a good place to kind of maybe wrap up where I feel with this. When I was in college, I decided I was going to make movies. I remember a friend and I, we were going to have this thing called Big Brother Productions. And the first movie we were going to make was I wrote this little script called Women and Men. And I kind of, I remember famously, I wrote. Right, you were going to use that they might be giants. Yes, yes, song. exactly. I was going to work from the back. I had written, I had actually of everything I'd written for it, I'd written the very last scene. And the whole thing was about these young twenties who all they went to college together. They still live together. And this one guy and girl who dated in college, the girl's getting married to someone else, and he's like trying to like, oh, this is my last chance. Should I be with her? And all this other stuff. And it was crap. And I, I still to this day remember the final scene is him sitting on the steps of the church and some other chick walks by him and says, hey, you going to the reception? We should get a drink together. And him like being like, yeah, you know what? Okay, maybe I'll hit the ground running again and end the movie with the song Women and Men. Sucked. Stupid. Terrible. The reason why I was never made is because it's terrible. Okay. But I had that dream mm-hmm. at one time in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I just wasn't that kind of an artist. Mm-hmm. But I'll remember that moment. I will remember still having that ideal. And that's 
why I'll sit and listen to this sometimes and be like, I but, remember where I was. Yes, it's stupid. And I remember myself being stupid. But, but I remember you, myself. Yes, right? Even me. I want to say, <laughs> even you, with all of, you know, I've known you since you were 22 <laughs> years old. Yes. Okay. Even you were acting in plays and directing. My parents decided they, they liked you because they liked the play that you directed. Okay. <laughs> so you were still doing that. Even, you know, now you're still doing things that are creative. Mm -hmm. But. <laughs> I have a bank account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, you understand that money isn't the only thing, but it has to be something. And it just You're smacks right of incredible privilege that these two just sit around and complain that somebody dares to charge them. Well, rent. you know what? Here's, here's a way to put a bow on it. When rent came out, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Mark. Yeah. Now, I want to be Benny. <laughs> Again, Benny because wants Benny, to build exactly, an artist exactly. I, I'm currently trying to build something artistic, and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm working well, with business people. He wants to be a patron to the arts. <laughs> right, so that's, that's where at the end <laughs> of the And he's the bad guy <laughs> in this enterprise. Well, regardless of what we think, and uh, of all the movies we've done, this is our penultimate season, our penultimate episode. We're going to take a little bit of a break. and Penultimate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna That's me. fine. I'm gonna leave it in. I was gonna let it go. The, nope, I'm gonna leave I was gonna it gonna in. Let it go the first time, yeah. and then you said it twice. Yes, well, I'll always do that. It's like I need to go get me some mascarpone cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, it reminds me of that comic, The Pedants Revolt. And yeah, yeah. I thought there'd be less of you, fewer. <laughs> yes, I, I feel seen by that. I'm gonna end this season on an other legendary piece of garbage but of the 10 episodes we did this is probably the one movie i would never watch again <laughs> I, because i think the music i like you'll the listen music. to the music yes, again I will but you'll never music. watch music. Yeah. yeah and one day i may take our son to go see the show and say don't be an idiot be benny <laughs> <laughs> be benny be joanne yeah again joanne's helping with maureen's <laughs> idiotic performance art well, in the next 5,239 minutes or whatever, people need to find you where they're going to find you. I thought you, you like that song. <laughs> I do. I just can't And yet you can't <laughs> But I refuse to remember. So I can sing songs like, Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are they going to find you? <laughs> I'm not on anything right now. Yeah, they wouldn't let you use my blue sky thing. No. It's no. like I'm, I'm bragging now. <laughs> yep. Aren't you on threads or anything? I am on threads. Okay, but don't don't find you yet. No. Okay. I, I don't really it's the word. Is it it's thread? I don't thread Engage. anything. Yeah. I, I do. I actually I actually I don't know if I did a blue sky or threads, but when I put I had some decent engagement, but I put out I'm about to rent the movie rent. I feel like I should be subletting it. <laughs> Maybe we're generation X, we're a little bit older. Maybe it's time for me to write to buy my, rent? No, to write my one song and call it mortgage. <laughs> that's it they call it home equity line of credit <laughs> yeah yep, that's right no, that'll be one of my songs <laughs> so again I, I thank everybody I hope you guys had a happy joyous Thanksgiving and a holiday season and just get ready just get ready for the absolute anything that I could say that has Art Carney B. Arthur, Mark Hamill Harrison Ford and be just absolutely the biggest garbage thing you've ever seen. Just get ready for the next one. But for as of now, know that I just don't know how I'm going to pay last year's rent or this year's rent or this year's mortgage. Rent, 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 rent. Yeah, because <laughs> they say rent a lot. Uh, I wanted to leave because I always like to leave with a, a song from this. And I was afraid because I had we had an entire season of the show that got booted off. I was using clips that made that Spotify found that made things unhappy. So I'm like, is there a way I can go out outside of the trailer, go out with something on Rent? And I found out, man, Rent has been all over the world. Let's... Oh, I thought you were going to play the song from Team America. Oh, no, no. I'd get booted for that, too. <laughs> but Or there's the uh, the Simpsons where Homer does Rent, too. <laughs> <laughs> that should be called Sublet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Here, uh, what the Japanese like to say, we have one day, but today. So again, Tina, thank you, and uh, have a very happy holiday season. You and too. What, what can I say? La vie bohème. 
What are they missing? Keurig machines? <laughs> pour over coffee. Yes. That's pour what over. it would be if they did it today. <laughs> pour over coffee. All right. Thanks again. 